verse 1, chapter 8. It actually doesn't help me in what I'm talking about because you can quickly go to a place of worldly thinking when you read this verse. It says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. I went to the King James Version because I like the these and thou sometimes. <laughs> and thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. And who wants good success? We all do. Good success. Let's have it. Uh, but much like Jer Jeremiah, that verse, you know, like, I know the plans that I have to you to bring you peace and hope and get in. Like, if you, uh, we put that verse, we hang it up on our refrigerator, we put it in reading cards. But if you really understood the context, you wouldn't. Because they were in the beginnings of being in captivity. The temple was about to be torn down. The rest of the Jews were about, to, the Israelites were about to be put in captivity. And God was like, it's hard. It's going to get harder. Matter of fact, for 70 years, you're going to be in captivity. But I got a plan. I don't think any of us. Let, all right. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me break it down like this. I love miracles. Who love miracles? What I hate about miracles, all right, this is me being honest. What I hate about miracles is needing one. I don't like needing a miracle, but I love miracles. I love when God moves and blesses and does all these great things that I get to see. But when I need healing, that's not fun. When I need God to move, when I need God to work uh, uh, on my enemies, all right, because if, if I do it, it's grace. But if God gets them, it's it's, it's justice, all right? So when God does his thing, but if I need it, it's hard. And this is where we find the children of Israel in, jo in the book of Joshua. He's promising them success. But let's read it in context. So we're going to go to uh, verse 1. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. God is speaking directly to Joshua. This is amazing. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Sounds like somebody we, we've, we've come across, right? Sounds like Jesus. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their, swore to their fathers to give. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. 
Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go, wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Let us pray. Dear Lord, your word is sweeter than the honey from the honeycomb. So, Lord, we just we sit at your table ready to eat. Some of us can only handle milk, but, Lord, we're ready for the meat. And we ask, Lord, that you, through the power of your word and the power of your spirit, you make a way, Lord God, for us to fully digest this word. And Lord, I pray for me. I know I'm just a man and they don't need to hear from me, Lord. Uh, it's, it's, it's be an exercise in futility if they just came to hear a man. Lord, they need to hear directly from you. And so, Lord, we just pray for um, you to give clarity, to give insight and to give hope to those who are desperately seeking after you in Jesus name. All of God's people said, amen. amen. And like I said, needing a miracle. God is promising Joshua and the children of Israel good success, and he's not promising them waterfront property, maids, and chocolates every morning. Joshua is going from captivity in Egypt. I want you to really wrap your mind around this. The backstory to Joshua is he's, he's, he, well, uh, good, good success God's way. I left that out. That's kind of like my, we have the value, but this is my undertone. I want, we want to talk about good success God's way. So Joshua is Moses' assistant, and he becomes that out of a place of confidence. If you remember the story when they transitioned out of Egypt, they were a band of slaves. Now, slaves don't make great soldiers. All right? They may be strong because they've been working hard, but making bricks doesn't take away, doesn't prepare you for taking a life. So when they go into the promised land, they, they can just walk in and God is going to be with them and help them overcome their foes, but they get into the promised land, Moses sends out 12 spies to come back, Joshua and Caleb. Everybody else is like, yes, flowing with milk and honey, plenty of fruits, like great place, but the people there are giants. We can't. It's the, the, the odds are stacked against us. And then here comes Joshua and Caleb. Let's go. Let, let, let's go. That's our land, and we have God. What? I just saw the Red Sea part. Like, he believed. Like, I've seen God move. We've seen God move in Egypt. We, we got this. And so instead of going into the promised land to receive God's promise, they spend 40 years in the wilderness walking in circles. And I think this is very key when we talk about 
good success and believing in God's word. They, they walk in circles to let doubt die. Forty years is a generation. And the way we think about it in the Bible, 40 years and a generation, that's that's about enough time for those who've come in and settled in their ways. We can't go in and take the promised land. So doubt has to die. Which bad news, but also good news. We don't have to walk in circles to let doubt die. We can make an internal decision that I'm going to trust in the Lord, which takes me to my first point. If you're taking notes. So before we get to my first point, we want to God laid on me. So I looked up the, the definition of success, but I'm like, that's not good. And these are the three words that God laid on my heart that we're going to talk about today. Success is safety, security and self-satisfaction. Safety is I want I want I want me to be protected. Security is I want my stuff to be protected. And the third one is I want to feel good the whole time. I want to feel good. I want to be satisfied. I believe every one of us, when we thought about the latter years of our lives, we said, if I'm going to be successful, I want these three things right here. Protect me, protect myself and make sure I'm happy. First point, you will experience good success when you exchange safety for assurance. Not to be confused with insurance, all right? (laughs) Don't confuse it. Insurance is that stuff you purchase because you expect the possibility of something bad happening, all right? Assurance is regardless of what happens. I know who controls it. I know who's in in charge of it. And I know his plan for it. Joshua had assurance in God because his God kept his word. He was assured because his God kept his word. And if God say we can go into the promised land and take it. That settles it, I believe it. Where we would be so concerned about our own personal safety, which is not bad. I'm not saying go out here and be loosey-goosey dangerous. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying trust God. When, when When you break open his word and read it, even if it goes against my sense of like safety and what, what will happen if I go to this person and ask for forgiveness? What if I go and, you know, instead of doing my usual thing, which leads to sin, and I choose to do it this way? What, 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 what do people look at me different? What if they what if they criticize me? Not everything is as big as going into the promised land and fighting enemies. When, 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 we, when we think of facing difficult circumstances, it is so easy to look at them and then look at ourselves and be like, I don't, I don't have that in me. You know, if, if I go and do that, I don't, I don't know if, if, I, if I can overcome their circumstances. 
there's a story. I love, y'all know, y'all going to figure me out soon. All I do is I love to read the Old Testament and talk about Jesus. So y'all going to figure me out. I know I'm a fraud. Y'all going to figure it out. Like all this dude does is he just talks about Jesus. But anyway, I digress. So in the Old Testament, there's a story about three Hebrew boys. Y'all remember that in, in Sunday school? They, they, they are, the, so the Jews are in captivity. And all you got to do is worship, worship their idol. When, when the sound is, when, when they make the sound, start to worship the pagan God. And there were three Hebrew boys that refused. God bless you. They could have taken the easy route. So many of us, we'd rather take the easy route. But look what they say in Daniel chapter 3. So King Nebuchadnezzar is like, hey, like, just, just do what everybody else is doing. But this is what they say. Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Bro, like, bro, I ain't, ain't got to talk to you. <laughs> like, why are we talking? If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set. And so, even if, even if God doesn't, he still got me. Even if I think to myself, this ain't going to turn out great, God is still good. I, me and Connie, she, she prays for me before every service. God bless her. I love her so much. We, I was just telling her something God has been dealing with me lately. God's goodness is not dictated by our situation. Just because our circumstances are bad doesn't mean God is too. God is still good even when things are bad. So even if things are going in a negative direction, even if your fiery furnace is going to burn me, God is still good. He's still going to deliver us. Whether on this side of the grave or on the other side in eternity, God got me. So when it comes to our own safety, when we have to choose between obeying Knowing and obeying God's word or worrying about whether people are going to say something about us or if it leads us into a literal fiery furnace that there will be a fourth person standing there next to us who will not leave us nor forsake us whose name is Christ Jesus. Oh, for those of you who don't know the story, that's how it ends up. All right. <laughs> they survive. Go back and read it. It's great. He is with us. So back to assurance. We have to trust and believe, even at the expense of what we consider our own safety, that God is going to be with us. Amen. Amen. Point two. You will experience good success when you exchange security for sacrifice. 
I go to bed every night, lock the doors. We, we, uh, I grew up in New York with my dad, uh, spent a couple summers there and a year with him. We had these things you shove up under the doorknob. I still do that. I, <laughs> we're trying to stay safe. I got, I go check my cameras and I got, a, I got cameras set up in my laundry room. I, 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 I'm all for security, making sure your stuff is safe. All right. But we can take that to the extreme when we start to place our hope in our stuff. All right. When we grab onto our earthly possessions a little too tight. We're going to exchange security for sacrifice. So just to give you a little background story. So the Lord makes a promise to Joshua and you would think every battle that they faced that they won. Which is a great story or great like life lesson you can think about success. It's not on the road to success does not mean you will not face failure. It, would not mean, it, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be smooth. Anybody that's done anything of, of risk and of value, they'll let you know, like, you're going to hit some bumps. You're going to have some, some times of difficulty. And this is no different than Joshua. He goes and they are killing it. They, 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 they're beating people left and right. And they come to this fortress in this area called Ai. Ai is a fortress inhabited by Canaanites. And they have, uh, as some theologians say, maybe 250 people in a fortress. And so Josh was like, man, like, just send 3,000. We'll take them out. This will be easy. They get their behinds handed to them. All right. This is like Alabama being beaten by like a, a Pop Warner team. They're like, what in the heck just happened? Roll Tide. So they lose embarrassingly. I would bring up the Jags, but that'd be, that's more pain and suffering that we don't even want to think about right now. Right. <laughs> so they get demolished. And Josh was like, Lord, you know, he's crying out like, Lord, why? Why, Lord, why? Let's go to Joshua chapter 7. Let's look at verse 10. The Lord said to Joshua, get up. I like that. (laughs) Why have you fallen on your face? Israel has sinned. They they have transgressed my covenant that I commanded them. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen it and lied and put them among their own belongings. Therefore, the people of Israel cannot stand before their enemies. They turn their backs before their enemies because they have become devoted for destruction. I will be with you no more unless you destroy the devoted things from among you. Get up. Joshua's on his face. Lord, why? Get up. Consecrate the people and say, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. For thus says the Lord, God of Israel, there are devoted things in your midst, O Israel. You cannot stand before you cannot stand before your enemies until you take away the devoted things from among you. I love my kids. 
Two of my daughters have cars. I'm not going to give them fuel to go do something stupid. I'm not going to let them drive what I've insured, what I've paid for, to go somewhere and be dumb. If they're not responsible, if there weren't good people and good kids, hand me the keys. All right? This is what God is saying to Israel spiritually. You have things devoted to pagans amongst you, and I'm not subsidizing your stupidity. Get up, Joshua. You got some things you need to fix. I've given you a promise, but you need to do your part. And I think there's something we can learn from that. God is saying, I'm, oh, I want to bless you. Yeah, I want to see you victorious. But you have some responsibilities. Joshua is coming into the, the, the land of promise. And they're not just laying down and giving up the land. But God, if, if you go back and read the story, uh, the person they found, his name is Achan, A-C-H-A-N, Achan. They find the, the gold, they find the silver, all the stuff that they've stolen from these places that they've conquered. Pretty gruesome. They round up everything, round up Achan, round up all the gold and silver, and they stone him, his family, to death, and they burn it all. They were serious. Now, how does this equate to the Christian life? When it comes to disobedience, you need to get violent. Not against your neighbor, not against the politicians in Washington, but against yourself. The disobedience within us is to be met with force. I'm not saying start cutting yourself and mutilate. I'm talking about having a serious attitude about disobeying God. And so they obey God. They destroy everything. There's no trace of it. They gotten rid of all the disobedience in the camp. And they go and defeat their enemy. Turn to the better Joshua. When he goes to defeat his enemy, before he starts, there was actually a sword drawn on Jesus, you know, by Jesus's friend, Peter. Y'all remember that, right? Peter draws a sword. And I believe like, man, if we were going to start something that when Peter draw, drew the sword, hey, this was time for God's kingdom to be manifest. We're going to take on the Roman army and push forward. No, Peter, put away your sword. He takes the, the, the guard's ear, picks it up that Peter cut off and puts it back on the guard's ear, heals him. We, he, stuff, it, it could have popped off, like we could have been at war spiritually, but he did not choose the path of physical violence. The better Joshua goes into battle armed with nothing but a cross and a crown of thorns. 
he goes to defeat sin, Satan, and the grave on with nothing but that old rugged cross. I don't know about y'all, but that's good news. Because if, if he would have just physically defeated our enemies, that would not have dealt with the real enemy, which is the inner me. He defeated our foes. And we look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. Then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. We aren't carrying swords. We aren't carrying guns. Carry your cross, an instrument of torture and death. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit? We love profit. A man, if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, or what should a man give in return for his soul? Security. I want to protect my stuff. And Jesus says, let go of that stuff. What does he want? He wants it all. He wants all of us. But there's a death that needs to happen. So that's why we carry our cross. Amen. Third point. Dang, man, I've been preaching fast. Good gracious. <laughs> you will experience good success when you exchange self-satisfaction for service. Self-satisfaction for service. I'm going to give you some time to, to write that down because that, that's a good one. It's a good one. Joshua, at the end of his life, lives a long life, 100 plus years. I, when I read, when you go back and read chapter 24, which is the last chapter in the book of Joshua, I, I think of it in very theatric terms. Like, I, I really see, like, this old man sitting there in his bed, just saying his last words. He goes through a laundry list of things that he's done that has blessed God's people. We've defeated this enemy. We've gone into this land and we've done this and we've done that and we've pushed back our foes and, and we've, and we've, and we've, and we've, you know, things that you don't deserve. You're in a land that you haven't had to go by and like we've gone and defeated our enemies and now you get to live off the fat of the land, you get to enjoy the blessing of being a part of what God is doing. All right, you go ahead and turn there now. You can, you can see, like, you can just sense, like, he's, he's going over his resume of what he's done in the name of the Lord. Last words. And here they are, everybody listening. But he's not in a tone where he's like, hey, let's celebrate, blow some balloons and eat some cake and have a good time. He's like, as, my, in, in, as I get to close out what, I, what God has called me to do, I want to warn you not to 
go to the gods of your forefathers. They sinned in Egypt. They've sinned along the way. They've 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 followed pagan gods. But look at what he says in Joshua 24, 14 through 15. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your fathers serve in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's really easy in moments of comfort, of safety and security and self-satisfaction, it's easy to forget who got you there. Real easy. If you go back and look at Jewish tradition, they would do this thing where they celebrated the Passover. They celebrated God doing this, or they would set up stones and be like, let this be a memorial to what God did on the other side of the Jordan. I think it's very important to remember what God has done because we have very short memories. We forget what God has brought us from and brought us through. This is Joshua's tone to the people. God has done his part. God has gone above and beyond. What will you do after this? In light of such goodness from God, who are you going to run to? Going to the better Joshua. Unfortunately for Jesus, he doesn't live a long life, 100 plus years on this side of the of eternity, but he is eternal. He's, he doesn't die. But he does give some last words. And I want us to turn to Acts and let's look at these last words. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Let, let, me, let me give a footnote. Let me, let me let me sub in and read into, and I hope not to destroy the text. Oh, Lord, when will you make it safe and secure and make us happy? When is that going to happen? He said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons that your father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Um, we got power here. Uh, I pay my electric bill, JEA. There will be no need for power if, if it doesn't have a purpose. There's, if, if this building, if we never came in to worship the Lord, why should we pay to keep the power on? If you don't have purpose, what's the reason for the power? If you don't have calling, if you don't have some sense 
that I'm obligated to serve God. Why in the world does he give the charge to the Holy Spirit? Fill my servant. Nowhere in this do you get the sense that Jesus is telling them, oh, I'm going to make sure you're safe. Oh, I'm going to make sure that you your stuff is good. Oh, I'm going to make sure that you are always happy. He says, I have something for you to do. Who are you going to serve? And that's what we need to ask ourselves right now. So going back to our um, last point, which is value four in closing. We said knowing and obeying God's word is fundamental to all true success. It's not just hearing, as as Lorenzo read in James chapter one, it's not just hearing God's word, but having it within your heart to do something with it. If we don't, it is just words and pages and words on our phones. But when we take the supernatural word of God in the text and the supernatural power of God living in us, great things will happen. Amen. Great things will happen. And so as we close out in a word of prayer, I want you to think about what God is doing through you to better serve his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we we are convinced that you are not finished, that you have a plan and purpose for us. And now the onus is on us. Who are we going to serve? Are we going to serve ourselves? Are we going to serve you? And so, Lord, given the limitations of life and our own limitations of what we can and can't do, we just come to you asking you, Lord, to give us direction, give us give us just speak to us through the power of your spirit so that we can be obedient to your word. And Lord, if we haven't been in your word, we just ask for forgiveness and grace. We know that we don't live under the law. We got to read so many words and and do so many Bible studies. We just pray that which we know we do. And if we struggle and fail, we ask for grace in the process. And we just love you and thank you in Jesus name. All of God's people say amen. Amen.